Okay, good evening, my trues, clues, crimes, dudes, and dudettes. I hope that you've been safe out there and been observing your clues and staying on top of things. Um, there's a couple things that I would like to add and before we get started into the breakdown of who the pooper trader is for this week. Um, there's an update to the Cleveland Strangler that I'd like to provide. 83 victims have come forward since all of this started, uh, live victims, to step forward and say that they have been taken advantage of by this evil, deceitful creature. And the guy that I referred to in episode 2, part 1, in the True's Clues Clues, is David Cassidy from the Partridge family. He's the one who made the white puka beads very popular. And with that, we will go ahead and get started. And the person that I'm referring to is Edmund Emil Kemper III, American serial killer, rapist, cannibal, and of course, necrophile. So many of these serial killers do seem to have that in their background. He murdered 10 people, including his paternal grandparents and mother. He is noted for his height, six feet, nine inches. His height is what kept him from joining the police force. And we know this type of personality does love stability rules and law enforcement is a natural attraction to them. Besides that, he liked to try to keep track of what was going on with his case by hanging around in areas cops went to and rubbed elbows with them. Uh, let's see, very intellectual, very intelligent, possessing an IQ of 145. This aided him in manipulating people and learning to be that chameleon, adapting to any type of situation and drawing his prey in like a spider into a web. Like, uh, Little Miss Muffet. This spider had a real bite. And he was always told growing up that he was stupid, ignorant, so he was devastatingly shocked when he came out to have a high IQ. But he definitely learned how to take advantage of it and make it work for him. Kemper had a lot of names, but the most popular name for his killing spree was known as the Co-Ed Killer, as most of his victims were female college students. Big surprise there, more women again. Not that we won't get to men in the future, because I know there's men that are victims as well. The women trusted him because his mother worked for a college, and the car he drove around during the day had a clearance sticker for this college. And when the murders start happening, they were putting out things over the radio like, don't hitchhike, if you have to do something, make sure that you're with somebody that has uh, validated identity and they thought, well, hey, we're good here. You know, this guy's got a sticker on his car. He looks normal, whatever normal is. And so they trusted him. They'd go ahead and they'd get in the car with him. Um, he, you know, he appeared to be a very affable fellow and comforting in the way he acted. He had a very good bruise that he looked. He would ask women if they wanted to ride acting like he was in a big hurry, you know, like, get in the car, don't, but I've got things to do, so 
that would make them drop their guard a little bit and they'd jump in the car with him. Many women thought he was good looking. Again, another Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, Alan, uh, the soul murderer. Um, and what women would want to do is hang out with him and be around him because, you know, it's the summer of love and let's hang out, have fun, and do drugs. And they, who wouldn't want to hang out with a hunk of bunch back then? I mean, you know, you're in college looking for a good time. A lot of women get hooked up with men that they marry in college. And as I said, this is a time of peace and love generation after all. What really creeps me out about this is back when I was a teenager during the same time, on occasion me and my girls would hitchhike. I know, I know. But if we didn't have bus money and we had to go over to my friend's sister or somewhere like that, we would definitely hitchhike. Thinking that two girls together definitely would pose a problem and we would be safe. Oh no, like hell to the no. This gun by proved to me that that thinking was so wrong. This scum of the earth killed two girls that he picked up at one time. He stabbed one, threw her in the trunk, killed the other one, and then came back and finished off the one in the trunk. And he was so very open about how he did it and kept reiterating how he would drive around looking for these good-looking women. And I'm sure he had a type or maybe just, you know, slender, good-looking women who were out to have fun. And he would eventually talk these women into letting him pick them up. He had a type, I think, you know, long blonde hair, brown hair, thin women, uh, snappy dressers type of thing, probably outgoing, so he didn't have to do a lot of talking because he always referred to the fact that he wouldn't be able to pick up a woman on his own. He didn't have the tools to do it. He's very um, inside himself, you know, introverted type of person that would have trouble picking up women. Little did he know, if he'd have just been a decent person and got out there in the world, there would have been some woman that would have picked him up, for God's sakes. Women are pretty good at that kind of stuff. He was born in California and had a troubled upbringing. No surprise there. I mean, you know, it does happen where serial killers do have good uh, upbringings. There really isn't a thing that you can fall on. But a lot of times those killers have been injured in the head hit in the head, laughably, but it does end up changing their personalities. Even Ted Bundy had ended up getting a head injury. He, as his parents divorced, he moved to Montana with his abusive mother before returning to California. Him and his mom just didn't get along. You know, he, she was just verbally abusing him all the time, holding him down. He took the verbal abuse inside. He felt like he loved her, but he wanted to get even with her. But it definitely started building up a wall with him, a wall of anger. Before returning to California, where he murdered his paternal parents, grandparents, pardon me, when he was 15, again, that falls into the realm of the serial killing world, did not like his grandmother's controlling ways and her verbal abuse. After taking all the verbal abuse from his mom and then having to take it from his grandma, I think he did that proverbial snap thing. And then he killed his grandpa. And that was to save his grandpa uh, the pain of knowing of what happened to his grandma. That he actually offed her in a very brutal manner. So he cared about his grandpa and wanted to save him that pain. Like, what the fuck? Pharrell? 
Glavis's answer. He was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia by the court psychiatrist. Makes sense now, huh? He was sentenced to a Tescadero State Hospital as a criminally insane juvenile. This is where this jerk gets to fine-tune his art of manipulation for his future killing career. Imagine what that would look like on your resume. Killer at large and everything. These creepy killers have committed crimes they get away with and only go back to do much more harm and end up getting some kind of retraining as they're going through all of this. A sick and especially a very sick mind learns how to manipulate the situations they're put in, whether it's psychiatry or learning how to get the kind of reaction you want out of people. This is what makes it so hard to identify serial killers when you're just interrelating with people on a day-to-day basis, which you should stop. Make somebody prove to you that they are your friend, that they're trustworthy. Don't just give somebody all your trust out the door, especially if you're in a romantic relationship with somebody. Do your background checks. Make sure this person's okay as much as you can, that they don't harm animals, that they don't have something in their past like this guy did. And how many people do you think he told until after he was caught for the murders that he actually killed his grandparents? I doubt very many. So with that, you know, he goes around pretending like he's a real human being, taking advantage of the scenarios that he runs across on a daily basis, manipulating people, learning how to manipulate people even in a deeper fashion so he can eventually conduct his life the way he wants to. Saying what you need to hear, getting you to drop your guard like the Cleveland Strangler, Ted Bundy, and so many others of these sick minds, they wouldn't be able to get away with it if they didn't have an art at getting you to drop your guard. He was released from the mental institution at the age of 21 after convincing psychiatrists that he was rehabilitated. As he was rehabilitated? Honestly. Fucking asshole was going to get away with it. The killing of his grandparents because he was able to pull the wool over their eyes. And I understand when people are mentally ill, you can't put them in jail. But now I'm glad that at least when you're mentally okay, but he was never considered mentally ill. How could you not consider a person that acts like this not mentally ill is beyond me. But anyway, back to what we were talking about. Um, he finally learned how to manipulate people or got better at manipulating people. I think he's always done it. Um, he was always regarded as non-threatening by his future victims. He targeted young female hitchhikers during his killing spree, luring them into his vehicle and driving them to secluded areas where he would murder them before taking their corpses back to his home to be decapitated, dismembered, and violated in his home, where he was living with his mom. Some kind of freaking apartment house. I mean, he was parking in front of God and everybody and transporting this crap into his house. I mean, it's good for people to mind their business, but if you see freaking shit like this going on, you should really say something. I mean, that is just so crazy. He liked to decapitate and then have sex with the bodies. That was definitely a way of shedding his... Um, sexual mates mouths up, right? I mean, if they don't have a head, you don't have to worry about any verbal abuse there, do you? He also had an early memory of a scene of decapitation 
and when he watched this happening, he derived a great man of sexual pleasure from it. Even though he knew this was wrong, he really couldn't stop his body from reacting. And he never really forgot how it felt in that sensation. I think he always wanted to feel it again as well. Kemper then murdered his mother and one of her friends who came in right after he had uh, killed his mom and was still cleaning up. When he killed his mother, he also defiled her body and had sex with her head. He cut out her vocal cords and tried to put them down the damn disposal. I mean, if you're not tired of hearing somebody talk, what are you to conduct yourself in this way and treat somebody's body like that? I mean, he definitely wanted silence out of this person. Killed a friend because they came over. She came up on it and he didn't want to be caught. So he killed her and put her in the closet. And supposedly this is where he took off. He went, run, you know, going around town. The strange thing is that they said he even came through Colorado. Um, as I said, he was found sane and guilty. Like, what the fuck? At his trial in 1973, Kemper also requested the death penalty for his crimes. Capital punishment was suspended in California at the time, and instead he received eight concurrent life sentences. Since then, he has been incarcerated in the California medical facility, giving out interviews like he's a star, being considered um, in the role of that mine hunter, many of the the words and sentences were exact sentences that Ed Kemper used in his interviews, used again in that serial killer story. Once jailed, he was given, once in jail, he was given extreme speed, and it brought him to the realization of the horror he did to other victims, and from their point of view. This is what he says in his interview and how morally wrong he knew and how much pain it brought him. He was raging then and he asked the police force to beat him. And because of what he had done wrong, he felt that he should be beat. And he wanted the cops to treat him badly and to handcuff him and put him in leg irons. Um, His home life had deteriorated to such a bad way that I guess he felt like he needed to take that out on the world. But whatever happened of being under that drug made him feel like whatever it would feel like to be a victim. And I don't think he appreciated that at all. Much as other serial killers, they do have some type of involvement in pet killings, pet torturing or whatever. But he often refers to some pet chickens that he had that his mom and dad killed. And he cried and begged him not to, but they insisted on it and went ahead and did it anyway. Back in that time, I'm sure food was scarce and they had to do what they had to do. But even after that, it was like they teased him or made him suffer even more by making him eat the chicken heads. And maybe that's where the start of the necrophilia came in. A lot of times people that are serial killers can't put up with the personality, but they can sure put up with the dead body. As scary as it is to us, it is comforting to them. He liked to pretend weird games when he was growing up. There was one game he liked to play where um, he was in the electric chair and his sister would flip the switch and he would jump around and this was when he was in Montana. 
and he was eight. I think he had always been exhibiting weird um, personality types and weird actions that scared his mom. So when he was eight years old, he was ordered to start sleeping down in the basement and his mom would lock him up down there. It was dark, dank, with rats in it. It was very scary, especially for somebody his age. But she was worried about him molesting the two sisters that he had, so she wanted him locked up and away from the rest of the house. He began to start thinking of the living room as earth, the upstairs where the lady slept as heaven, and where he was as hell, and he couldn't realize why he'd been sentenced to hell. And it bothered him for a number of years, and it was scary for him every night trying to figure out how to turn off the lights and run back to his room and however he had to do it it was just scary for him as well as so lonely i can imagine it's a good thing the house never burned down or maybe it should have burned down i don't know so um there was the time that he said he had a fight with one of his sisters and that she was jealous of him or whatever and they got into a fight and um, he had gone somewhere without her and he gotten a um a cap gun so he loved this gun, and he played with it all the time. And then once they were fighting, she took that gun, and she broke it. And he said that she was jealous of him of this occasion and more occasions as well. I don't know her. I can't speculate. But I think it does speak to the fact where he felt like he was always trying to be controlled by women. All women in his life, probably. So in order to get back at her... He went and he popped the head off the doll, but he didn't think that was permanent enough, so he cut the head off the doll. And he's like, hey, you fucked up my toy, now your toy's fucked up, so let's just move on. So that's pretty much how he thought. Um, which is, well, that's pretty much how siblings do it, but maybe to the death was just a little weird. His mom was a great verbal abuser of men, and was also an alcoholic, and she enjoyed the company of many men. That's not unusual in alcoholics. They do get out of control. She would hit him and beat the hell out of him. He soon became resistant to the idea of being a good boy because that's what was trying to be beat into him. Some people will cow down and break, and other people become stolid like a wall and will fight you back with everything that they have. And I think that this personality is that person, especially when you listen to him talk about it. When he did have to go stay with his dad, he was much better with his dad than he ever was with his mom. He became very devious in retaliation to his mom. He stole money from her. Um, when he was with his dad, he was completely calm. When he came back, he was calm and would honor the rules. And I think this drove her crazy to know that she couldn't make him be better but that the dad could, and she probably held a great deal of resentment towards the dad after the divorce anyway. So it was quite the conundrum that he had himself placed in, and I think it kind of pissed the mom off to some degree as well. He wanted to be with his dad more, and I think his dad wanted it that way, but his dad had remarried, had other children, and I think they just wanted their own little family. They didn't want to be a nuclear family with an add-on in like Ed, so eventually that's how Ed ended up going to the grandparents' house, and we all know what happened there, um, but he had been having death fantasies since he was eight years old, since he was locked in the basement. He had started to become very excited about death, 
and look for outlets for this fantasies as they develop. Um, he had a girlfriend at one time that he was very aggressive with. She was close to the same age as him. Scared him, scared her probably, as his feelings uh, could not get control over his feelings. He never felt comfortable in dealing with girls and being verbal with them, and I think that was part of it. Um, he, as his feelings said over and over again, he could not get girls through normal channels. And maybe that's why it was easier to have a dead body to have sex with because you didn't have to worry about pleasing, talking, taking out to dinner, having an enlightening conversation, any kind of crap like that. He is very at ease saying that he is a serial killer. Some things are uncomfortable for him, but he does try to respond to questions in his interviews. He loves being the star and having information that people are desperate to find out about. I mean, not everybody knows what it's like to be a serial killer, what goes on in their head. Even though there's different types of serial killers, they both have a lot of things in common, no matter what type you're looking at. Like, there's a disorganized and an organized killer. He would be considered an organized killer. He put a lot of thought into getting his victims and keeping safe and putting up that facade, not just running out there in a, you know, manic rage and just killing people. So he's very organized about what he did. And that would have made it hard to find him. He may not have ever gotten found out if he did not turn himself in. Um, when you talk to him, it's almost like you're talking to an older, single, elderly man who doesn't have anybody at home and they just go on forever about the most benign things and he does that in his conversations he likes to expound on everything but in between that he's throwing out these ghastly tidbits about how he murdered why he murdered but ultimately I feel like he didn't like being told what to do he especially didn't like being told to, what to do by women and I'm not saying it's good bad or indifferent we know that you know abused children as Saul said come up to be abused adults and how they handle it comes out differently in everybody. Um, but I think if you just spend some time around this person, you would have realized that his was a little bit different, that his truck wasn't running on all six cylinders, that there was definitely a wolf in sheep clothing in there. So beware. So that's the end of my episode for The Coed Killer. Ed Kemper and uh, he's still out there he's still doing interviews he has gained quite a bit of weight there's a great difference between him and how he looks now compared to how he looked when he committed the crimes but when you watch the interviews which you can find plenty of interview online for him it just makes you so feel so fucking creepy and to know how he treated his mother and how he just felt the need to defile her body. I mean, okay, so you don't like your mom, you couldn't like move to a different state. I mean, even getting a job as a janitor would have, you know, provided some kind of income from him. And maybe he could have started his life over. He mentioned, you know, if he hadn't become a serial killer, he had hoped to be a man who was married with grandchildren by now. Well, Ed, what the fuck? Why didn't that happen? Only you know, and I don't know that you really tell us all the truth. You tell us what we need to know to keep us looking in your direction. 
end for that. I will call it a night. And just remember, check out your scenes, check out your scenarios, and look for clues. The true clues. Have a good night and see you with the next episode.